Hail travelers and welcome. We've just cut through the Ides of November, so I sincerely hope you get to be someplace comfy as you listen to this episode, whether that's at home in a fortress of throw pillows, wrapped in a sweater and sipping on pumpkin spice something next to a small furry animal companion, or chugging ale by a warm hearth blanketed in the hides and furs of hunted game. But even if you're not somewhere snuggly, like driving to work or school, wherever you are, I hope you can find solace in my voice and enjoy these ideas on how to better weave narrative into your D&D sessions. I'm your mentor cheering from the sidelines, Alan Niles, and this is Outside the Dice. When we play D&D, there is always going to be some level of separation. At the end of the day, the game is just a game. And the actions our characters are capable of making are only possible up to the limitations of dice rolls and point allocation. Mechanical rules need to exist for the game to actually work as a game, And even though we care deeply about the narrative and the story and the characters that emerge from the game, there is still a separation between the things we care about and the fact that we are moving plastic pieces on a gridded board. Unless your DM is Jigsaw and forces everyone to fight each other for real in a murder shack. I'm copywriting that idea for a horror movie, by the way, so don't even think about stealing it. Still, even with the separation, there are ways of sometimes weaving those mechanical rules into the narrative and making them a part of our story rather than apart from our story. One of those hard mechanical rules is inspiration. If you're new to the game and don't quite know what inspiration is or how it works, inspiration is a handy-dandy tool to tip the scales in the story. Essentially, the DM can award inspiration to a player for, well, really, any reason at all. Then a player can turn in that inspiration to gain advantage on a d20 roll, whether it's an ability check, an attack roll, or a saving throw. If that player doesn't want to spend it themselves, they also have the choice of giving away their inspiration to a different player, and then they can use it to get advantage or give it away themselves. Not every DM likes the inspiration system, and it is a completely subjective system that can be used as often or as little as the DM decides. I don't think there is any hardcover campaign that has something written like, If the players solve the riddle without asking for the town oracle's help, give each player inspiration. It's interesting because it's a hard system written in the player's handbook and the Dungeon Master's Guide, but it's never actually enforced in any of the books. It's sort of like jaywalking. There's an explicitly written rule regarding it, but no one actually cares if you do it or not. I, for one, think it's great, though. It's an easy way to let your players know their investment in the game is valued and appreciated. It's a way that a character can potentially get out of a tight spot, and it makes players happy. What I often see, though, is inspiration only being utilized in a mechanical way. 
You made a great joke. Here's some inspiration. And then the inspiration is used up and forgotten about. So what I would like, if you haven't guessed by now, is to see inspiration be tied to the story in some way. It's a small thing, but I think anytime there is a hard separation between the story and mechanical rules coming into play, it's a missed opportunity. But before you can tie inspiration to your game's story, you first need to decide how the player earned that inspiration in the first place. There are a few ways inspiration can get got, all of the most logical ways being covered by official sources. In the player's handbook, it really only explains how inspiration works, saying a DM can give it to you for practically any reason at all, and focusing more on the ways the player can utilize that inspiration. Not very surprising, considering that it is the player's handbook, so of course it's going to focus on how the players can use inspiration. But the DMG goes more in-depth and offers some options on when to reward players with inspa. The first reason listed, and one of the most common reasons that I see inspiration being rewarded, is for good roleplay. If your players are roleplaying, it's a pretty good sign that they are invested in what's happening. If the old man begging the party to find out what happened to his son, who was last seen in the dark woods, is met with sympathy and kindness, your players probably care about how this NPC is feeling, or at least invested enough in the game to play the part of feeling sympathetic for this NPC. If the old man makes his plea and your players say, Alright, I guess we can do this side quest before heading to the dungeon. Uh, we can always use more XP anyways. Uh, what reward is this old guy offering? Then that might be a subtle hint that they don't care about the written emotions attached to this NPC. Further than simply roleplaying, the DMG specifically points out inspiration should be rewarded when players roleplay their character's personality traits, bonds, and flaws. So more than just a character acting nice or mean to an NPC, it's more about following the choices most appropriate for their character, even if it would yield no obvious benefit, or even be detrimental to their own well-being. Giving money to an NPC in need or sparing the life of an enemy who could come back for revenge are some situations I would usually reward with an inspiration point. Not all the time, though, because if players find out they can just give a gold coin to a rando NPC and immediately gain inspa, they might start taking advantage of that system. The next reason listed in the DMG is heroism. This is in the same vein as roleplay because it rewards a player for making an emotional response rather than a logical one. And if the player is making an emotional choice, it's a good indicator that they are invested emotionally. If the characters are all escaping from a gang of orcs and one player stays behind to buy the rest of the group more time, I think there are a couple reasons why you should reward that behavior. The first reason I've already stated, it shows an emotional tie to wanting the other characters to be safe. Sometimes it might be the logical choice to sacrifice someone for the greater good, but I'd wager something like this is 
usually done out of emotion, more often than calculating the odds and concluding the most logical option. The second reason, it makes the story more exciting. It makes for an awesome, heartfelt moment to make your character a martyr than for everyone to just keep running. The problem is, while those might be two good reasons for why characters should perform heroic deeds, the DM doesn't control the characters, the players do. So the easiest way to incentivize behavior like that, assuming that is behavior you want to see in your sessions, is with inspiration. The benefit of granting inspiration in this case is that, though the character has most likely just sacrificed themselves, that inspiration point will at least tip the scales in their favor for a single moment. I think the issue that can stem from this, though, is if players are throwing themselves into danger and emerging victorious every single time, is they may adopt something that I call the invincibility syndrome. If your players are consistently being rewarded for throwing themselves into dangerous situations, they'll feel like nothing can stop them, which will subsequently incentivize them to make reckless decisions more frequently. If that's something you don't wish to see in your sessions, reward players for heroism with discretion. Reason 3 is rewarding the players with inspiration for a victory. This is something that isn't too common, at least in what I've seen of other DMs and for my own style of DMing, but it's pretty interesting. If your players are off to fight the final creature of a dungeon, it wouldn't be as useful to award inspiration after the fight, but it makes sense narratively. And though the characters wouldn't have inspiration available in the boss fight, they could spend it on ability checks to escape the dungeon if conditions are perilous, or even for negotiating a higher payout with whomever hired the adventurers to begin with. This could be a cool reward to consider if you have multiple options within a dungeon. Say the players are looking to slay the dragon within the dungeon, but they also know that there are villagers who have been captured somewhere in that same dungeon. If it is made explicitly clear that one path leads to the dragon, the main reason the party is there, and that one path leads to the captured villagers, an area likely to be guarded, will use up character resources if encountered, and likely to yield no immediate reward and just make it more difficult to fight the dragon in the end, you could reward the entire party with inspiration if they choose to make their final fight more difficult for nothing but the feel-good feelings of saving villagers. You could, of course, have other rewards, such as an NPC willing to join the final fight, a healer amongst the villagers who offers their magical services, or maybe an NPC who has information on the dragon. One of our captors got too close to the dragon with a torch and it freaked out! I think it might be afraid of fire for some reason. Well, good luck. If you have a situation that the players chose, even though it makes things explicitly more difficult and yields no other reward, inspiration is a great bone to toss their way. The last listed reason in the DMG is genre emulation. This is really similar to roleplay and along the same vein as heroism, but goes a bit deeper. If you're playing a heroic game and a character acts heroically, 
that can be seen as heroism or genre emulation, but if you're playing a survival-style campaign, acting heroically may not fit the story as well. Some examples in the DMG are players actively choosing to split up if the genre of your game is horror, or allowing their character to be seduced by an NPC whom the players might know is nothing but trouble if the genre is a noir-style mystery. Essentially, it's more of players playing into the tropes of a genre for the sake of the story, even if the players know it's not the most logical or efficient option. Another reason that was not listed in the DMG, but is honestly one of the most common reasons I've seen DMs reward inspiration, and I myself have awarded inspiration for, is making dumb jokes. I've gained many an inspiration point for making a stupid pun, so often in fact that I would make a joke, be awarded an inspiration token, and give it to another player because I knew I had a better chance of thinking of another dumb joke than the other player might have. The one comment the DMG has that is relevant to this is something I could not agree with more. Remember this golden rule. Inspiration should make the game more enjoyable for everyone. Award inspiration when players take actions that make the game more exciting, amusing, or memorable. So even though it does not list telling jokes or witty retort or making your DM sigh in disappointment as viable reasons for rewarding inspiration, if the players are having a good time, it can be considered. If you don't want a player, like me, making jokes every step of your epic campaign journey, you could probably tell the player something like, alright, I'll give you this one because that was pretty good, but don't expect inspiration for every single joke. There are a few other aspects that are up to the DM regarding inspiration. For instance, if you have a physical token for the player to retain. When I first DM'd, I would just let the player know they gained inspiration and they could mark it on their character sheet until it was used, but I've played with DMs who have some really intricate coins they've collected just for the purposes of being an inspiration token. I always thought that was really neat. It's something the player can actually hold onto until they're ready to cash it in, and it's a lot easier to forget you have inspiration available when it's just a pencil mark on your character sheet. If you're not a collector of antique coins, that's okay, because you could use whatever you want. A little piece of paper with a sticker on it, a cookie that the player eats when they use it, a golden d20 which acts as the extra die they get to roll, a special minifigure you might have. Whatever it is, I do like the idea of giving your player something physical as a reminder that they can return after inspiration is used. Another aspect of inspiration that isn't really covered in the DMG or Player's Handbook are exactly when inspiration can be used. It says it's used when they make a certain d20 roll, but it's not particularly stated if inspiration has to be declared before the first die is rolled or if they can wait until after. Many of the DMs I've played with say inspiration has to be called before a die is rolled. So if the player says, I make an attack, and they roll a single d20 and they don't like the result, then it's too late to use inspiration. 
They have to decide they're rolling with inspiration from the get-go. I see the appeal in this method because allowing a player to see their initial dice result before deciding to use inspiration, even if it's before knowing if the attempt was a success or a failure, makes it much more powerful. A player can definitely decide to use inspiration if they roll anything under 7, and against using it if they rolled a nat 20. This is totally up to the DM because I don't think it says in any official source material if a player has to wait or not, but I'm personally against making a player decide beforehand. There are a lot of class and racial features in the books that state something like, the player can use this feature after the dice is rolled but before the result is given. Things like the Paladin Smite, Bardic Inspiration, a Fighter's Battle Maneuvers, a Monk's Stunning Strike, all state they can be used after a roll has been made. A fighter doesn't have to expend a battle maneuver when attacking and gamble that it wouldn't hit at all and lose that resource. A monk doesn't have to spend a key point when attacking and a player can see the result of the dice roll before using a bardic inspiration. You can even roll one die at a time when healing at a short rest. And the wording isn't clear for Tempest Clerics if using Channel Divinity is decided in the place of a roll or after a roll. My strongest argument for this, though, is the lucky feat. Lucky allows a player to roll a d20, see the result, and then decide if they want to expend a use of lucky to change the roll. There are so many abilities that don't require the player to gamble a resource before knowing an initial roll, so what's the harm in extending that to inspiration? There is no worse feeling than rolling for an attack and totally botching the roll when you could have used inspiration, or, conversely, using inspiration to be safe and rolling two nat 20s. The last aspect I want to discuss that official sources don't clarify is how long an inspiration point is available for use. The only thing that is specified is that inspiration does not stack, but it does not clarify if inspiration is supposed to go away by the end of the session, at the end of a short rest, a long rest, or if it can be taken away from a player, if I make a dumb joke, Chris. Since it's not mentioned in the books, it's up to the DM. And I can see arguments for either side. Letting a player retain their inspiration session to session to session allows them to hold on to it until some dire circumstance occurs, like a boss fight. Making inspiration disappear after a rest or a session ends encourages players to utilize their inspiration more often while they still have them. I, for one, tend to hold on to my inspirations with the intent of using it when I really need to but I end up just hanging on to it for forever. Sort of like when I play Final Fantasy and beat the final boss with 99 Phoenix Downs in my inventory. It just depends on how often you as a DM want to hand out inspiration. If you hardly award them at all, that may reflect in your player's behavior and they'll hold on to them longer because they're more rare. If you're awarding inspiration to every player at least once per session, players will know they can utilize them more sparingly. 
I think if you're giving inspiration out quite frequently, you could consider having inspiration go away after a rest or after the session, because that prevents players hanging on to inspiration points and taking a long rest or short rest just before a final fight to maximize all capabilities. This would at least make players choose between refilling their health and spell slots and abilities, or having inspiration handy for easy advantage during the fight. Holy crap, that's a lot to cover with how inspiration can be used. Now I can get to my point. Regardless of how players may have earned their inspiration and what rules you have chosen to implement with its use, there's one thing that I rarely see DMs take advantage of, and that's actually tying the inspiration to the narrative. Inspiration is just one of those things where the DM likes a thing the player does and says, you gain inspiration for that, and the player says, great, and moves on. Later down the line, the player will say, oh yeah, I have inspiration. I use that for this attack, or ability check. They get advantage, and the story continues. So how do we incorporate it into the narrative instead of just as this mechanical option that exists outside the world of the session? Most every player and DM is familiar with how inspiration functions, but no one really concerns themselves with why it functions the way it does, why it's even called inspiration in the first place. The party travels through a town that is under constant siege from a nearby band of ogres. The fighter makes a point to give some coin to one of these villagers, a sad-looking child who's just lost their favorite toy. Wow, what a nice moment! You gain inspiration. Fast forward to a combat encounter with the aforementioned ogres. The fighter is down to their last health points, out of second wins, out of battle maneuvers, out of options. They cash in their inspiration and go for the attack. That little child smile, that brief moment of happiness, the reason they earn that inspiration point, flashes through the fighter's mind and helps steady their hand for the attack. When you award inspiration for something done in-game, so that rules out dumb jokes unfortunately, make a note of it. Write down on a scrap of paper, fighter, inspa, help child. Then when the inspiration is used, you have a reference to what actually inspired them. Now, sometimes it won't be as clear as that. If the fighter ended up using their inspiration on a different check, it might not be as clear-cut as remembering that kid and wanting to protect them but you might still be able to weave it in. Using inspiration to gain advantage on a persuasion check to sell an item for more gold? You remember the look on that child's face when they received a gold coin, and you want to feel that happiness. Deception to lie to someone? You think of the child and think, children are gullible, maybe this guy is too. It might not always be applicable, but neither is everything players choose to do or the improvised choices DMs often have to make in reaction to player choices. As DMs, we are constantly rationalizing and figuring out ways the narrative can remain cohesive. By viewing inspiration as another narrative element rather than a purely mechanical one, justifying the way it comes into play is no different than what we already do. This also doesn't only need to be applied to inspiration advantage roles. I mentioned the lucky feat earlier, and this is a prime example of interweaving a mechanical element into the narrative. 
It's not just a feature that was randomly named Lucky and introduces a baseless mechanical option to gameplay. It makes the character lucky. If a character fires an arrow that would have missed, but a use of lucky is expended and successfully changes the outcome, the narrative should reflect that. The arrow whizzes past your target and hits their ally's shield behind them, ricocheting back at the original target. Roll damage. Or weave in normal advantage into your narrative. Whatever element is causing the condition to put a character at advantage or disadvantage can be put into the narrative. Even bardic inspiration can be brought back into the story when a player adds it to their role. Magic flows through their character to boost their abilities as they recall that profound piece of wisdom or that super inappropriate thing their bard said when they originally received the bardic inspiration. If there's no clear or easy way to link the source of the inspiration to the action being benefited, there's a fallback you can use to tie it to your story to make the use feel unique and special. The DMG mentions rewarding players for roleplay, particularly stating if the player is actively playing out their P-traits, bonds, or flaws, but what it never mentions is taking advantage of your player's character classes. To quote the player's handbook in chapter 3, class is the primary definition of what your character can do. It's more than a profession. It's your character's calling. Traits, bonds, flaws, background, and character race are all great ways to know how a character got to this point, but no single element shows a character's identity more effectively than their class. It's the character's calling, what they're meant to do, who they truly feel they are. It is so integral to a character that it takes more effort to ignore it in a narrative than to acknowledge it. So if there's ever an ability check or attack or save that a player uses their inspiration to attempt and you can't think of any possible way to tie the reason they were inspired to the narrative, tie their class to it. A barbarian's rage to fuel their attack, a druid's wild shape to effectively intimidate, a monk's key to dodge a dragon's breath attack. Every class has a specific ability granted to them at a very early level that helps define the capabilities of that class, and that ability can be easily adopted into forming a narrative of how inspiration helps them complete a task or surpass an obstacle. The beginning of chapter 3 in the player's handbook has a table called Classes Summary, and is a great place to find ideas of that identifying factor for each class. Whether it's the thing that inspired the character to begin with, a circumstantial element found in the environment or present situation, or a core piece of the character's own identity that allows them to plus-ultra themselves, There are a lot of options at your disposal to tie inspiration to the narrative. So here's about the part of the show where I start to go off the rails and suggest all kinds of weird stuff. Everything I've covered so far in the episode are ways to integrate a mechanical rule as intended into your game's world. So if you're new to D&D, you should have plenty of ideas to start with. If you're a veteran DM looking for ways to shake up gameplay, then I have a few suggestions. This section will be quick, but I figure I may as well share some variant ideas regarding inspiration. 
First off, there's actually a written variant within the inspiration section of the DMG, Chapter 8, Running the Game. The variant puts the players totally in charge of awarding inspa, with the caveat that the DM gets final say if it's approved or not. Basically, as long as the players are following the rules your table has established on when inspiration can be awarded, it should be fair game. An extra measure to ensure players don't abuse the system and award inspiration to each other for no canonical reason and purely to have an edge over an enemy, the DMG states that each player can award their first inspiration of a session to another player for free. After that, any additional inspirations given by that or those players also allows the DM to give an inspiration to one of their own monsters. If you find that your players are frequently upset that you don't award inspiration enough and you don't want to deal with that system, this variant could be worth testing out. It takes the burden off your shoulders of handing out inspiration. It's a difficult system to cheat, as if they award inspiration too often, they may find themselves fighting a boss who attacks with advantage every single turn. And lastly, as the DMG states itself, it allows players the opportunity to recognize each other for good roleplay or story immersion. If you are looking for different ways to utilize inspiration altogether, I do have some more options. As I mentioned before, character class is an essential part of a character's identity. Consider allowing a character to spend their inspiration to trigger a class ability one time for one round. A barbarian fresh out of rages can spend their inspiration to trigger one additional rage that lasts until the beginning of their next turn. A bard can have one more use of bardic inspiration. A cleric has channel divinity, though each domain would have to be checked to make sure there is not one that totally topples the balance of power with this. A druid could use one additional wild shape, but only until the beginning of their next turn, but if you think that that's too powerful, you could rule that the beast they choose must be the same as the last beast they transformed into, to prevent them choosing something extremely small, or a bird with an unmatched flying speed. A fighter could regain a use of second wind, or maybe even their action surge. A monk has key a paladin their smite, or even lay on hands. A ranger could treat their current target as a favored enemy, regardless of if they normally would. A rogue... Well, I suppose a rogue already turns their attack into a sneak attack, since normal inspiration grants them advantage. Damn, I was on a roll. Uh, rogues can... I don't know, use their inspiration to instantly attempt to hide, regardless of if they're standing directly in view of someone, and if they succeed, remain hidden until the beginning of their next turn. Sorcerers replenish a sorcery point, warlocks get an additional use of an eldritch invocation if they can only do something once per rest, and wizards can immediately use their arcane recovery ability. If you don't like the idea of using inspiration to recover class abilities, and I don't blame you, I just came up with all this stuff right now without playtesting or anything, I'm expecting you to be my guinea pig, then you can come up with your own list of other ways to trade in inspiration. Some ideas I've come up with are gain a number of temporary hit points, deal an extra weapon die of damage, increase movement speed by 10 for a round, 
discover a clue about whatever the inspiration is expended against, whether it's a clue to a puzzle, story advancement, or about the enemy they're facing, like a vulnerability or resistance. Whatever ideas you come up with, be sure to have a finite list that you can share with your players. It'll add ways for your players to feel in control in how they turn the tide of battle. Maybe they don't necessarily want advantage or feel they need it. Like a mid to high tier character being swarmed by low level creatures. Succeeding on attack rolls might not be the issue, and maybe using the inspiration to gain some temporary hit points or speed to get out of there would better serve them. And if you want to get really wild with it, try to incorporate your inspiration token into the narrative. Did you hand the player a coin? Make it a coin their character also received in the universe of the game that can be traded to a special vendor for a cool item. Did you give them a cookie? Maybe a cookie appears in the pocket of the PC and they can eat it to regain health points. Did you hand the player a minifigure? When the player uses their inspiration, that minifigure appears on the field next to them, like a deus ex pokemonkina that attacks an enemy before dissipating. Again, none of this is playtested, so if it doesn't work out the way you imagined, I'm not liable for any dissatisfaction at your table. But if it does work, report back to me as soon as possible, you lab rat. And I'm copywriting it right now. Crazy inspiration variants, trademarked, outside the dice, LLC, 2020, indefinite usage, a verbal confirmation, and notarized. So this definitely holds up in court, probably. I told you that last bit would be short. Is anyone still with me? If you're listening, thank you for sticking through to the end. Time for the recap. There are a lot of different ways a player can earn inspiration. If you're finding that you want to reward inspiration more frequently than you are right now, but you don't know what circumstances would be appropriate, talk it over with your players. See what they're most interested in or refer to the DMG for the options it recommends, but remember that golden rule. Inspiration is supposed to make the session more enjoyable. If everyone is having fun, toss out some inspa. Think of physical tokens you could hand out. I mean, not now. Not in COVID America, but maybe when we return to normalcy and can hang out face-to-face without fear of viral contraction, you can think about handing out physical tokens. Tie inspiration to your narrative. In a small way, in a big way, it doesn't matter. Connection is the whole reason we're here and what makes D&D so enjoyable, so any attachment to the narrative will only strengthen your session, not weaken it. If you want more ways to use inspiration, tweak it. Come up with a list and share those ways it can be spent with your players. Observe how it affects gameplay and if encounters remain fairly balanced. If everyone is having fun and it doesn't majorly upset your plans as DM, then why stop there? If it's awesome and works for your table, don't just apply variance to the inspiration system because there are all kinds of aspects in gameplay you can experiment with and all kinds of ways you can think outside the dice. (laughs) 